Welcome to Zero to One Cast, the podcast where thought leaders in Web3 meet to discuss pertinent topics in the cryptocurrency and NFT world. My name is JPEGtologist. My name is Ugwe. My name is Shulan. And we will be your hosts for today. So sit back, grab yourself a notepad if you wish, and enjoy. Today, we are joined by Dynomics. Say hi. Hey, everybody. So we're just going to do a little introduction for Dynomics. He was a mechanical engineer by trade and ran his own motorsport business for 12 years, building engines and race cars for teams all over Australia. Got into crypto in early 2017 and went through the roller coaster like everyone else and educated himself on the right side of the market. Spent a few years studying under various mentors, eventually got good enough to trade uh, and sell his business and pursue finance full-time, and now manages his own seven-figure fund. So, Dynomics, tell us a bit about yourself. How did you get into NFTs? Yeah, so um, it's been an interesting one. It was just after the market went a little bit bearish late 2021. Um, I had planned on taking a little bit of a time off trade, like actively trading. Uh, when I saw the market turn bearish, I knew we were up for a you know a lengthy bear market. So I decided to start spending a little bit more time researching. And I really wanted to dive more into the Web3 and DeFi world because I've always been more of a technical trader and didn't really ever focus on the fundamental side or actually using crypto. Um, so dove into Solana specifically, uh, just liked what their value proposition was. And uh, I found the Grape Protocol. I don't know if anyone remembers the Grape Protocol. And I started working with those guys, became a content creator for them, uh, met a few really interesting people, um, more specifically Durden from uh, Lefinity Protocol, and uh, you know, started uh, just jailing with him a little bit, got involved in their community, and sort of bought my first NFTs. It was the Lefinity Flares. Um, from there, you know, I, I just sort of opened up the doors to that community aspect and I guess I was kind of hooked after that and just started minting everything left, right and center like everybody else did. So yeah, it was sort of uh, late 2021 to early 2022, I would say. That's quite early then. You really got in quite early. So did you make lots of big wins then if you got in that early? No, not really. I think um, I was just enjoying myself more so playing with like the different tools and the utility aspect of NFTs. I didn't really see much appeal for the the branded plays back then, like the SMBs and stuff like that, they didn't really interest me. So I missed a lot of those type of projects. Um, I fumbled a few bags, uh, like D gods early on. I think I, I went to purchase them at around like 10 or 13 soul or something like that a few times and just sort of, you know, talked myself out of it for, for numerous reasons. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I made a bank on NFTs back then. Um, but I did do pretty well uh, with with Jelly Rascals. I I uh, got wind of of uh, Carlos derugging Jelly Babies early days, um, so I went ham there. And and obviously being involved with the team and and the development and and how things were going to unfold there, I, I managed to do quite well of of you know getting a pretty big bag with with Jelly Rascals. That was probably like my biggest win there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I was actually there during the derugging and I didn't buy when Jelly Rascals was 0.1 of a soul. So I, I feel <laughs> I have missed out big time there. But that's totally my fault. Um I think I think Sugar has been 
in for a long time as well. How how long have have you been in sugar? Have were you quite early as well? Uh, two thousand thirteen. Oh no, I mean for NFTs. No NFTs. Uh, I think it was early twenty twenty. Um, All right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Did, did you did you manage to catch the um, Jelly Rascals as well? Oh, bro! I started in Ethereum and no Solana. I only had had issues. I'll be honest. Like the thing is, I made a lot of money and I lost a lot of money, but. Mm. It has happened so many times over that I've held a bunch of blue chips, fumbled them. You know, if we are still here, we're all failures because if we were good traders and we were in for so long, we would be millionaires by now. So <laughs> we, we just got to prepare ourselves for the next bull. And uh, let's not kid ourselves. Like um, very few people that are left succeeded. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so Dynamics, what excites you most about Web3 and NFTs just in general? Um, I would say it's, I guess the innovation with tech, I'm a, I'm a big nerd when it comes to like analytical data. So I really liked all the tools and stuff that people were building. Um, but then I've always been involved with a lot of communities as well. So when I started to see some of the community aspects that were being created with these collections, um, things started to really make a lot of sense to me. You know, I, I look back at my trading career and realized I've, I've been trading this coin and that coin and all these different coins and collecting. I wasn't really much of an investor. I was a trader, so I never really held on to random coins. But I started to think, like, why Why do I want to hold this coin? What am I doing with this coin? Like Power Ledger, um, VeChain. I'm not using these tokens. I'm just trading them financially, like in and out. And then when I got into NFTs, I realized, it, it, yeah, a lot of people compare it to crypto trading, but it's a lot different because you actually can find value in holding the asset rather than just trading it. It's not all just about the flip to make some money. Sometimes you actually get some value from the community and the, the um, relationships and stuff like that you build with inside those communities. And to me, that's made a lot more sense. It made a lot more sense than crypto does. Um, so I guess that's probably what I love and, and, and excites me the most about it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I actually agree. I, I actually like, NFT is a lot more for the community aspect as well because believe it or not, I was in DeChain and I was in Power Ledger. Um, and you have to be quite, you have to be quite OG to know what Power Ledger was and when Power Ledger was as new as Matt Lats is now. Um, so it's you know it was it was like it was gonna take over the whole blockchain space, which I don't think it did. <laughs> Yeah, it's a perfect example because it's like what what did you ever do with your Power Ledger tokens? Did, no, did you no. ever use them? You know what I mean? You, you never actually make use of these tokens. People are just speculating on the price. And, and, and I can you know say that a lot of people do speculate on NFTs as well. That's like the main thing that everyone's there for. But there's also a lot of use cases in just, even if it's just vibing with the community and repping them as your profile picture and things like that, that's a lot more use case than most crypto coins have. So I guess that's that's what excites me the most about it. You can actually use it. Yeah, and they have a nice JPEG. <laughs> so that's, that's always a bonus. Um, so we'll, we'll get down to business. Uh, you've come here today to talk to us actually about portfolio diversification and why that's so important. Um, so I hand over to to Sugar who will, who will ask the next few questions. You so uh, can you tell us more about portfolio diversification? What does it mean and uh, why does it matter? Sure. So there's there's a few parts to this. The, the first one is understanding correlation. 
Now, a lot of people don't don't get this, but correlation is measured on a scale from negative one to positive one. So negative one means if you've got two assets, if they're negatively correlated, uh, negatively correlated, they'll kind of move opposite to each other. One goes up, the other one goes down. Uh, a positive one correlation means they generally both move together. So if one goes up, the other one will probably get dragged up with it. A zero correlation means they actually move completely independent. They don't have anything to do with each other. It's comparing apples and oranges sort of thing. Um, so that's an important part of understanding diversification because a, a lot of people really get this wrong. And this is pretty common in the finance space and especially in the educational space. Um, a lot of people see these words and believe they understand what they mean because it's just been passed on from time, but they don't really understand diversification. In fact, if you uh, research and, and uh, follow a lot of famous investors, Peter Lynch, Warren Buffett and all that, they'll always tell you that diversification is generally a defense against ignorance. In other words, saying if you don't know what you're doing, just grab a handful of darts and throw them at the board and one or two of them might land on the board. You don't really know what you're doing, but you might win. That's kind of how most people see diversification. So they go out and they buy 10, 20 different things and think that they're diversified. But when you really dive into diversification, you've got to understand it's about building a portfolio of assets that are actually uncorrelated or correlated in a way that benefits the performance of your portfolio. Um, so to give you an example, like if you went out, go back to traditional finance, if you went out and bought five different stocks and, and the, the stocks you bought were all social media stocks, for example, whether it's like Facebook, Twitter, and so on and so forth. Now, if there was something bad happened in the social media space, whether it's like some sort of, um, uh, I don't know, a, a legal thing, some government intervention that basically just cans all social media, all five of those stocks will be correlated, right? They'll all be affected. They'll all go to zero. So your entire portfolio goes to zero. So that's a perfect example of being diversified with five different assets, but they're all in the same sector, all in the same class, and they're all affected by price action the exact same way based on a fundamental event. Um, so the ideal situation is to have assets in different sectors that aren't correlated together. So for example, social media uh, business, is probably not going to be affected by interest rates, whereas banks might be affected, bank stocks might be affected by interest rates. So yeah, it's about sort of, you know, understanding the correlation between the assets and building a portfolio that isn't uh, directly sort of going to move together. Dope, thanks for the answer. And uh, why do we want to achieve zero correlation regarding projects? Yeah, so it, like it's 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 about protecting the uh, protecting your portfolio in terms of risk, but also trying to you know uh, get that performance out of it so that they're they're not sort of reacting the same way. It, it's really just a performance thing and a risk thing. So obviously you don't want to have too many assets in the same class. If something bad happens, your portfolio is going to um, struggle and and probably go into a decent drawdown. Uh, at the same time. Um, yeah, you don't want, you ideally want to try and achieve zero correlation so that all assets sort of move independently. And that way you can sort of place your bets based on the performance of those industries rather than one single event affecting your entire portfolio. So yeah, it's, re it's really about performance and risk. So, so having zero correlation in a way is truly kind of uh, grabbing those dots and truly 
throwing them at the bullseye uh, without all of those darts being swept away uh, or all of those darts being faulty, for instance. Yeah, that's probably a good analogy. Yeah, trying to you know, strategically throw the darts on the board in the right place. So, so all the darts are fair. So some will, yeah. some will still miss, but if there's yeah, zero yeah, that's going to happen. Some will, yeah, no one's perfect. Hopefully some will hit. <laughs> yeah. This is why we have people like Dynamics explaining, right? Yeah. There are some people like me with, uh, with very high risk adversity, or I don't know how it's called. And there are people that, you know, have families to feed and can go as decent as me, but they also want exposure to crypto. So that's why I would advise, you know, to have a plan and uh, to keep correlation in mind. So thanks, Denomics, for, you know, explaining those things. And it, I think this applies to a bunch of more stuff, even outside of Web3. And uh, people should probably take note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree on that. It, it, it's interesting because um, it's, th this is exactly what people try and do, what you, what you describe, um, Dynomics, is, is that people are randomly trying to get a lot of things uh, and throwing them at the board and realize that, that despite diversifying, because they've got a lot of smaller, uh, smaller NFTs because they can't afford the blue chips, right? Uh, yeah. And then they realize their portfolio is down to zero anyway because all the non-blue chips or almost all of them, 99%. Um, yeah, they can be correlated together. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. Like a, a lot of people really don't understand the concept of diversification, e even zooming out a little bit and, and looking at crypto as a whole. Like if your entire port, like net worth is in crypto, but you're diversified in crypto, well, you, you're, still, <laughs> you're still very heavily correlated to crypto being uh, successful. Um, what happens if there's all these regulations come in and crypto starts heading to zero? Your entire net worth goes to zero because you haven't diversified into different sectors outside of crypto. Do you have gold? Do you have property? Do you have stocks? You know, yeah. Do you play the commodity market? There's so many different things you can invest in in completely different industries and sectors, and that's how you truly achieve uh, you know, that zero correlation. Yeah, so I guess there's there's two things, isn't there? There's the there's the the wider diversification of your your portfolio of your life, isn't it? Um, yep. And then there's the the diversification of the NFT portfolio, because I'm sure yeah. there's there's a way. Because there's a lot of people who are not really interested in in the the other other vehicles or assets. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, kind of like me. I I I know. I I don't. I personally don't have much else i do have a bit but not a lot in other things that are not web3 stuff uh, but i mean web3 stuff also because of 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 what we mentioned earlier before before this whole discussion about the community aspect mm -hmm. um things like that you see because because a lot of people don't don't invest at all because they, because they think investing is dangerous um and that they'll lose all their money so a lot of a lot of people just in general they don't have any investment they, they work nine to five they get their money and then and then they use the money. That that's it. And pay a mortgage, you know. So yeah, there's still a lot of that. Um, so how do we choose projects uh, in order to achieve as close to zero correlation as possible? Yeah. So there, there's some easy ways to do it, and there's some harder ways to do it. Um, I mean, the easiest way is to probably cr just create like a an Excel spreadsheet, right? And then you, you could sort of mark down a few different sectors within the NFT space. So as an example, 
Uh, you've got like your brand IP type projects like uh, D Gods, SMB, Utes, OK Bears, for example. Um, then you've got your utility based projects, which are, you know, they, they sort of fit a little bit in between where they're either got some sort of tools that you get access to or some sort of game attached to it or you know, some sort of utility, whether it's raffles and whatnot. Um, you know, you've got those types of projects, obviously or, or, always, you know, very heavily based around community aspect as well. And you've got projects like casinos. There's a lot of casino style projects that have some sort of a, you know, DGN game attached to it. You've got gaming and all sorts of stuff, be it B2B SaaS uh, projects and things like that. So there's a lot of different sectors or categories that you could um, put different projects in. Uh, and then basically find a, a bunch of projects that you're actually interested in and figure out which category they sort of fit into. And the idea is you want to kind of have a diverse range in each category. So you don't want to just have uh, all brand IP projects. I mean, if that's your thing and you've got a high conviction that that's fine, there's generally a lot of playoff in that area, uh, payoff in that specific sector. But if you truly want to have sort of a diverse portfolio in NFTs, you ideally want to pick a few from each sort of category. So you're sort of betting on each industry sort of having success in the future rather than putting all your eggs in one basket. Like for example, if you just put all your money on the five or 10 different best casino projects, that's fine. If everything's playing off, it's fine. Casinos are obviously generally a little bit more susceptible to what I call locust liquidity which means there's there's a group of people who will you know produce volume on those uh, casinos, but as soon as a new one pops up, they move like a swarm of locusts to that new casino. And that, and that means the other casino now loses all its volume. And because they're very heavily tied to like rev share as a utility, then that rev share disappears. So that floor price is going to be heavily affected of that NFT. And that the, the volume will now move to the new casino, that means the rev share is going to increase on that casino, which means the floor price is going to increase on that one. So they're all generally going to work together. Um, tool-based projects, you know, tool-based and utility projects are a little bit tricky. Sometimes they're great. Like I've, I've got a lot of tool-based uh, NFTs, but you typically only need to buy one and you're not really buying them for speculation um, because they kind of end up with a ceiling on the price because you now have got like a measurable... Um, metric to evaluate the actual price of the NFT. It kind of removes all speculation of future value because you know what you're going to get. You're always going to get access to this tool. So why would I pay 500 sol for this tool when it's it's a $10 subscription tool? So you know what I mean? So sometimes those tool-based or utility-based NFTs are not really worth having that high conviction in because they're never going to go to the moon, right? They're, they're, they're going to find a fair value based on their utility, and that's about it. Um, they'll, they'll go in waves. They're generally good to trade uh, in and out of because they kind of range trade with, within a specific price. They'll sort of bounce around a specific price, but they'll never really have that, that breakout where they just start going crazy. That's more going to be those speculative plays like the branded projects, D-Gods, SMB, Utes, OK Bears, you know, all the Yuga assets and things like that, pudgy penguins, um, because there's just a lot of speculation and hype on what they could do. So that's, you know, one of the like uh, sectors that you'd probably want to focus a, a lot higher conviction on. Um, but they are often more uh, susceptible to FUD, um, botched announcements and things like that. So they can be quite volatile where they can have crazy run-ups and, and you can do, 
5X, 3X or whatever. But then if the news is bad or they have a fumble, you know, we've seen a lot of projects recently with really fumbled art reveal processes. Um, you know, that stuff is kind of negative. And, and sometimes you'll see the floor price react quite negative uh, and lose all that momentum they had. Um, so, you know, those types of projects can be a little bit more susceptible to, to the volatility of FUD. So you got to be careful with, with where you put your money in that one as well. So yeah, it's, it's just about identifying the different sectors, identifying projects that fit into those sectors, and then doing your research on those different projects and, and, you know, picking a basket of, of one, one from each basket sort of thing. Yeah, that, that's really good. You've covered lots of that there. So you've covered gambling, um, you've covered uh, tools and explain why they, they didn't really go very high um, or they don't, they don't have that much potential to run up. And, and based on what we've seen on the price action in the NFT market, that's absolutely true. You know, we, we've not seen a proper big run of, of a tool NFT or a, of a gambling NFT, apart from maybe um, the old bots, because there was a bit of a speculation there as well and when it ran up to uh, about 150 sol or something like that. Um, and and then obviously the brand plays which you're talking about. So let's say you know someone wanted uh, you know a bit of a starting point. How much would you say they would need to uh, dedicate their portfolio to re with regard to each of those things? Um, or Ooh. or or are, are there some other baskets that you would recommend for for a starter? Um. I think like for somebody just getting into the space, like I, as a, like I've done a lot of education in this space as well. I've mentored a lot of people. So I'm very risk adverse and, and it's all about safety and, and when I'm bringing somebody new into the space. So I would sort of get people to start uh, with a little bit of money. Uh, and I'd probably look at utility based projects for a specific reason. Um, they're generally going to be a lot cheaper. You know, you're talking two or three sol, five sol, 10 sol, those types of projects. Um, they are generally, they generally do have a pretty cool community. So you can sort of get a little taste for what that feels like. And having some utility, it kind of makes sense. You can do some stuff with it. It's a really good sort of starting point. Um, generally a little bit less susceptible to volatility. So you're not going to freak yourself out. Whereas if you just come into this space and just threw a bunch of money on some brand play, it could go to zero tomorrow, but it, it, or you know, you, you could put five hundred dollars on this branded play, uh, and then it can go to two thousand dollars the next day, and all of a sudden you're super hyped up, and you think you're invincible. So now you just start throwing money at everything, and then basically you lose it all. Um, so yeah, don't recommend starting there. But um, so utility projects probably a really good place to start. Dip your toes in, get used to things. You're not going to get rich in utility project though, right? That's that's what you got to understand. These utility projects, these these tool based projects, B two B SaaS projects, you're never going to get rich in any any of those projects because they're not going to do ten x multiples. Um, and generally, any sort of revenue share or um, passive income you're going to earn from some token, it's not sustainable. It's it's very limited. Uh, you can make money a little bit at the start, but it, eventually it just runs out, and that's just due to the natural uh, the the natural sort of progression of, of capital rotation in the space, it doesn't stay in one spot. So you'll never get rich holding one of those things. The only place you're really going to make those big multiples on is going to be those branded IP plays that have that speculation and the ability to go through the roof. But mm -hmm. that can be hit and miss, right? You've got to do your research and have, uh, you know, 
or, or, or diversify heavily into that space to, to, you know, cover your bets with a few different plays and hoping that you, you bet on the right one or do your research and, and thoroughly have that conviction in, in something that you feel really strong about that will play off in the long run. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of like how many should you have, like, I don't think you need to go crazy and buy everything. Um, dip your toes in with a few utility projects and then try and find a nice entry into a, a branded IP play, like a, a good place to start. Um, not trying to shill projects by any means, like my bags or anything like that, but projects like Lily would be a really good example because it's, oh, yeah. I mean, there is some utility to it, uh, which is cool. I, I think any branded IP pr- project should still have some underlying IP, uh, utility, but it shouldn't be the focus. So uh, I think they have some utility with their library and stuff like that, but it is very much a brand IP, uh, an art focused project. So it's a really low entry. At, I think they're around, I think they're under 10 sol right now. So that's a fairly cheap entry for a branded type project. And it has you know potential to be a lot higher. I'm not saying they're the next D gods, but that's kind of an example. Another one like Oogie, for example, uh, again, they have some, from, from reading their white paper, they do have some utility attached to what they're doing but I think it's very much going to be focused on the art uh, and the brand and the IP. So there's probably more speculation involved in that market. Um, so that they're the types of projects I'd look for, for a beginner trying to get into that, that category. I mean, yeah, as a beginner, you don't want to go and buy a D God, right? Because they're ridiculously expensive and, and they're volatile. They're probably going to freak you out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, lower, lower entry would be that 10 to 20 souls sort of range. Okay. Um, just a final and a final question about uh, correlation. What is the best example of an NFT with with zero correlation in your in your own opinion? Ooh, like closest wow. to zero. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, the the best example of a zero correlation picking yeah. two assets would be like a tool based asset and a brand based asset. Asset. They are completely zero correlation. Uh, a tool based project being something like say Netrunners. Um, what's another one? Soul rarity keys. Yeah, there, there, there is some community aspect to them, but really what you're paying for is access to a tool. Okay. They're not really going to fluctuate that much in price. They're not going to be affected by, say, a, an announcement of, of something happening in the space that like a big event or something like that. Whereas those branded IP plays are going to be more focused on those sorts of things. Another thing I think to really pay attention to when it comes to correlation is the underlying asset. So being Solana and how that is correlated to the rest of the market being Bitcoin with the arbitrage triangle. So a lot of the time when there's volatility on the underlying asset as, as in Solana, you're going to see the floor prices affected as well. You're going to have a lot of price action on the sole value being if the price of Solana goes up significantly, 20, 30%, all of a sudden, you know, if your NFT was worth 100 sol, now all of a sudden it's worth an extra 20% or so in USD value. So some people are going to value their assets in US dollars. So they're going to look at it and go, wow, I'm up, I'm up a couple hundred dollars. I'm going to take some profits. So they're going to sell that NFT in sol. Now that creates selling pressure on that market. So the, the sole value of that NFT starts to go down. So when the price of Solana goes up, NFTs go down in sole value. Now, at the same time, if there's volatility on the downside of Solana, and Solana starts going down uh, 20, 30% for whatever it dumps as a big scary wick or something. Um, same deal again, you're going to have people panic selling because they think it's all over. They're running for the door or maybe they're trying to get a cheaper entry. You're going to have loans defaulting. So people are going to smother the floor with, with more supply. 
So naturally, with volatility of the underlying asset, you're going to see the floor price of, of NFTs go down as well. Um, so that's really important to understand the correlation. Generally, when the price of Solana is consolidating sideways, that's probably the best time to be looking to accumulate because that's when the prices are going to start moving again. I, I totally agree with that. I actually learned that even uh, with penny stocks, even before cryptos. <laughs> so, so totally agree with that. Yeah. So when it goes sideways, that's the time to go in because that's yep. mainly mainly the most safest, uh, the safest time. Um, so just moving on, uh, just Ugwe would have some questions for you uh, about your project. Sure. Yeah. So you have a project called Scriber. Can you tell us more about it and what you do there? Yeah, sure. So Scriber is, I guess you would say, a content platform, a Web3 content platform. It was kind of started a while ago, a bit of a passion project of my own. Um, and, and my crew, we're, we're all sort of professionals in the industry, whether we're analysts, um, research team, uh, thought leaders in the space and stuff, writing articles, we do podcasts, uh, we do a lot of project research. So we actually deliver a lot of information on projects uh, with reviews and daily analysis on the charts and things like that. I guess we found a, a hole in the space, which is, you know, the Web3 space is full of content creators or, or what people call content creators. But the content, in my opinion, coming from a professional background of content, it's it's very bland. It's it's um it's more just uh, engagement farming, shit posting. Uh, it's not really what I would call Web3 content. It's just random social media content. Uh, so when I wanted to fill that void. I thought, look, I can bring a level of education, information, and professionalism by you know doing research and 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 handing out that information to people uh, on our platform. So we're trying to really lift the standards when it comes to Web3 content. Uh, that's kind of what Scribe is all about. That sounds really cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll support you because obviously uh, you clearly know what you're talking about. We're very, very happy that you've been able to join us today in Dynamics. For everyone listening, uh, please be sure to follow him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is Dynamics, D-E-N-O-M-I-C-S underscore. And if you want to follow Scriber, the Twitter handle is S-K-R-I-B-R. N-E-T-W-O-R-K, Scriber Network. So thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Zero to One Cast and that it's been useful for you. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, please don't hesitate to reach out on 021fm.web3 at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We hope you enjoy your day and we appreciate you for tuning in. Be sure to join us on our next episode as we continue our enjoyable journey from zero to one. Thank you.